What's up, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Neo Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabro, and I'm here with... Steve, hope everyone's doing well out there. And for you guys who have never seen the show before, we're just two guys that like to talk over the biggest stories in gaming, but we're doing a bit of a special show today. We're doing a spoiler cast dedicated to God of War Ragnarok. Really excited to get into that. But before we get into that, I do want to start with what we've been playing. So, Steve, what you've been playing? Yeah, you know, you know, ending off the year here, I'm not playing too, too much new. Uh, still playing... Uh, two main games, really. Uh, still playing uh, Crisis Core Reunion, Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core, the remake. Um, and I'm in a weird spot with it, with where I kind of want to like, I want to experience the story and kind of get through it. Um, I just that old style PSP version of it because it is more of a remaster than a remake. Uh, you know that day-to-day thing where like after every mission they send you back to HQ and you gotta talk to a few people, hit up the cupboards, and it's in a weird spot where it's like I kind of just, just wish i didn't have to do that stuff and just did the the actual gameplay um but it, i i i it's it's hard to be rough on it when i know it's just a remaster in, in, in very almost literal sense because a lot of that stuff has not aged greatly but then once i get hit with a cool cutscene, um and the main gameplay is actually really fun but it's that stuff that's stopping me from actually playing the game in between that um kind of just bugs me so i'm waiting for a time where i have and probably this weekend uh, you know we're recording this right before uh the new year so i have some time off and hopefully i can just play in bigger chunks to get bigger sections out of the game out the way um but the other game that uh another reason i haven't done too much is because i'm playing a lot of this and i'm playing a lot of marvel midnight suns oh. uh now I, I know i talked a little bit about it before that i was playing it and i was having some issues uh with the cloud save uh because they some reason shut the cloud save off from steam deck to pc um and in very in a very pc way they updated the game for steam deck and now it doesn't run on steam deck at all so i've been playing mainly only on pc because it doesn't run on steam deck anymore and the cloud save never really transferred but now i'm i'm a good just shy maybe of 20 hours in there um and i'm i'm really loving this game uh it's just such a fantastic game I still have some issues with it. Technically, uh, the models look terrible. Uh, I got to the point where Spider-Man takes off his outfit, and I know we've seen hundreds and thousands of iterations of Peter Parker by now, and this is by far the most generic-looking. I've seen that scene. <laughs> it looks crazy. I'm not yeah, gonna lie to you. Yeah, that's that's my issue mainly with this game is that everyone outside of their, even the people who aren't suits, outside of their suits look so bad like they took a very generic ai character creator and, and used it um but yeah when he comes out with his little blue hoodie and he's just very generic uh it's 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 a struggle and it's the same with iron man it's the same with a lot of these characters when they're not suited up in their style they stick out but so most of these characters sometimes it just really doesn't hit but there's other times where wolverine is introduced that's not a spoiler he's on the cover i think um he's introduced uh he has a really cool style i like the identity to him so in that way and most of the time they're really on point with these characters and who they are how they act and how they act, interact with each other um and other times it just misses the point where i think some of the voice acting is still kind of rough but what they're trying to say um, in, in, in a sense, I try to almost ignore the voice and I read the captions like if I'm reading a comic book, and it's great. It's some of the greatest stuff. I don't know if the gameplay would necessarily speak to you, but in a world that you had time to watch some of these interactions and yeah. just the actual storyline itself, like you know those YouTube videos that's just a compilation of all the cutscenes, 
and you'll have a great time. The gameplay may not sell at you exactly. I want it really won me over because I'm playing it more like a card game, um, which is really cool. Like I said, it's not grid based, so that sort of minute constant of like XCOM of you use your turn to either attack or move. You don't have that here. You know, you can move a certain amount of time every turn. You always have three card plays. You have two redraws, so you have your options. Um, and, and I'm playing it on an easier mode because I'm not a, a, a expert at these super tactical games so i'm having fun with it i love that they're spending a lot of time with these characters uh you know especially some of these you know in the comics the midnight suns you know you have magic and a few of these other characters that we haven't seen um i think some of these characters may have appeared in that weird mcu spinoff they did on hulu but it's cool that they're showing some cool aspects of these characters you know instead of the other ghost rider we have uh robbie as ghost rider so we have the newer iteration of ghost rider and it's just really fun and, and the story is just getting it's starting to get darker and darker with lilith and and what's going on with scarlet witch and the mystical stuff and it's the stuff that i was kind of hoping the mcu was gonna go in and they're actually going in a weird nebulous direction with that so it's cool to experience it all so i'm having a lot of fun even some of the stuff that i didn't think i would like uh sort of just walking around the mansion and, and interacting with each other and, and the, not all the side missions hit you know uh, there's a side mission where you have to throw a birthday party not the best uh it's, it's not the most fun thing to do but there's other missions where they start explaining some backstory between blade and captain marvel which in certain comic books i'm sure you know in certain comic books they are sort of you know shipped together paired together so there's some cool throwbacks to like some very deep easter eggs which i i really appreciate so that's where i'm really spending a lot of my time and especially over the holidays and stuff when i get a chance i sit for a couple hours try to knock some out um because it's overall a good package i just wish the game was just slightly more potish i i wish it was a little less popping i wish there was uh some less less chugging i had to bring this game down a little bit more just because it's just it starts to chug sometimes just opening a portal which happens constantly uh just sometimes puts my pc in a state of disarray and doesn't know what to do i've only had one hard crash but all in all i think it's a really fun game i just wish it was delivered a little bit more with a punch uh, but i'm loving everything else about it uh so that's all i've been playing what have uh, you been up to yeah it's been kind of a weird time for me where i've kind of paused you know once i finished god of war uh, I, I kind of paused Crisis Core. Um, it, it's not that I dislike it at all. Obviously, it's, it's damn near a classic. So I, I, I love Crisis Core, but I have kind of just wasn't feeling playing it at that moment. So I kind of paused it for a second. And I was looking for something to kind of kill some time on. So I tried High on Life. Um, oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> you, you see, like, there's moments that I think kill me. And, like, I die laughing. Like, the Mac and Cheese Brothers thing. It's so stupid, <laughs> but it kills me. Yeah. I think that's really funny. But then there are moments where I'm kind of like, whatever. And I didn't make it that far into it. Um, actually, Alyssa beat the whole thing. So I kind of got, like, a whole small glimpses into later in the game. I still have... I'm still probably going to, you know, bang some more out of it. Um, it makes me super, super nauseous when I play for some reason. I just... I have really bad, like, motion sickness, and it, it's set off by some games worse than others, um, depending on kind of, like, uh, motion blur and how much uh, I can turn off. 
um, and how much I can enjoy or and, and change. A lot of games these days with the accessibility set, uh, settings, you can turn off like motion bobbing and stuff like that and different effects. Um, this game's not the best with that. Like they have a constant reticle, which is nice. Uh, and that helps a lot, but there are certain things that I just can't turn off that I feel like are like making me a little bit more sick So I have to play it in really small chunks um, Which has kind of cut me from being able to get a lot deeper uh, I, I yeah, I see what you mean about the humor It's definitely one of those things that unless you're like a super fan of Justin Rowland's humor It will get old really fast like like very fast like first hour fast, but um because again, it, it, it the best way I can describe it is it feels like those episodes of Rick and Morty where uh, it's the commercial compilations where it's just nonstop improv commercials. Um, that's kind of what it feels like where like you do have this overwhelming narrative, but every time you're speaking to somebody, it feels like they don't know necessarily what they're going to say next, which again is part of the humor. It's this stuttering, like, I don't know where he's going to go with it type thing. Um, that, again, is, is funny at times, and then other times I'm kind of like, all right, well, I'm not 15, so maybe this is not, like, hitting... I'm not the target demo of this. Um, but, yeah, it's cool. Like, I, I don't think it's, like, great. I think I like some of the Doom elements. I, I'm surprised how, like, Doom-inspired it seems to be at times. Um, and, and so I can appreciate some of the different traversal tools and some of the combat tools. But overall, like... I'm not like blown away by it. It's basically giving me exactly what I anticipated giving, which is like a fine first person shooter. Like it's cool. Um, but yeah, I, I played that and I, I was like, all right, that that's cool. But I, I want something to really sink into the holidays that I don't even have to think about. And so I've been meaning to go back to Skyrim for a long time. Um, yeah. And so I just been playing Skyrim. Like that's like all I've been playing really, to be honest. Um, and yeah, I'm having, I'm having fun with it. it it's, so there's so many versions to, that have come out that I don't exactly know what version it is. I think it's the second newest because it's on the um, PlayStation Premium, uh, the Plus Premium service. So it's not the newest newest that added some small DLC things. Um, it's the version right before that, I think, where they ported Skyrim to the newest consoles, the PS5 and stuff like that. I believe it's that version. So it, it, it's basically the nicest version of Skyrim you could play with small differences of like different content that they offer. That doesn't really matter. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, it's Skyrim, so I'm, I'm enjoying it. But I, I don't have to speak much to the game itself because, I mean, you if you pretty much every everybody who's going to play Skyrim at this point has played Skyrim and everybody knows whether they like it or not. Uh, it's still a good time. It's still a glitchy mess sometimes. Um, but overall, it's, it's a fun world to... Uh, get lost in what one thing I am surprised by is how much that world holds up in terms of just the sheer size in relation to content. I still think it's very impressive for what is it, like 2011 or something like that. Um, the original release, yeah. Where I mean, like it's I, I'm not exaggerating here. You can walk almost continuously for like 30 minutes an hour, and like be in the middle of nowhere, and there's still like weird small things you bump into out there. Um, and, and that's what I can appreciate is like, even if you like are playing the story and you're like, all right, I'm over it. You can pick any section on the map, maybe like in a region that you haven't been to yet and just walk in that direction and you'll find something to do. Um, and so I can appreciate the fact that like, it's a big world and at times it's like empty in, in certain areas, but I think it's like purposely em empty. And I think it like makes sense when it's empty it's like when you're like literally in the middle of nowhere on a trail heading to another major marker it makes sense why there might not be like a ton out there um but generally it's really solid world design for something that at this point is what uh, 11 years old um 
you know, there are games coming out these days that I think do a lot less with their world. So I can, I can appreciate that Skyrim in that regard still really holds up. And the story is still a lot of fun. And the combat's still very clunky. This is actually the first playthrough that I'm playing through completely third person. I've always been a first person Skyrim person. And I was like, oh, let me just try it. Because it actually, um, that was like one thing I really like playing like ESO like that. Uh, and I was like, you know, I've never actually played like Skyrim proper like that. So I've been playing it like that, and it, it holds up enough. It looks ridiculous when you're when you're fighting uh, and moving around, but the the whole game is kind of ridiculous. So yeah, I've just been sinking a lot of time into that because I think it's like the perfect time sink game that has no real stakes. I've I beat it before, and it's one of those games you can get lost in like side quests, and there's no real like penalty to that, like other than maybe difficulty that you might want to like hold off and do some stuff and get a little stronger before you you handle that other than that there are no blockers narratively to a lot of different storylines so you can just like go to different places do different things and you don't actually really need to do it in any particular order it's not like they map off they block off certain sections of the map and it's like oh you need to be level 20 to do this not really it's kind of like things kind of scale so if you're like over it and you're in like let's say the imperial capital and you're like nah, i want to go all the way into the mountains you can do that like there's nothing really blocking you from doing that so that's one thing i really like about it and i think it's kind of like the perfect time sink i think for right now where i'm kind of like in a weird limbo mode where it's like i'm not really trying to play <laughs> a lot of the things i have um i kind of just want to like kill time I'm, I'm like falling into my most comfortable games right now um so i've been playing a lot of vampire survivor on the steam deck and uh skyrim here for some reason i was playing shadow for a while shadow the hedgehog <laughs> on ps2 i don't know why i just maybe because it's just been a while i don't have that game i've just never bought a copy of it so i haven't played it in a really long time and i i don't know what happened i was like you know i actually kind of just want to like emulate that and just see how not not see how it runs because i knew it was going to run fine but like just see how that holds up and that game's nuts like that game's so weird i love it though i love how like edgy and ridiculous it is um but uh yeah and i've been playing a little bit of that so yeah all in all it's been kind of like a weird like i'm playing old stuff type thing but uh i have had my eyes on midnight sun so that might be the next game that i kind of jump into and give it a shot i don't know what the price is for it so hopefully i don't have to like pay too much for it but uh i'm intrigued yeah, no, I, I think it's an interesting thing. The game, again, the gameplay will either get you or it won't get you, and that's the thing. It's I don't think there's a big learning curve. I think it's a, it's a pretty simple concept, but once you start getting through it, then you you pretty much realize how to do it, you know, how to play it. And again, I'm again I'm playing it on. I don't know if I'm on the easiest mode, um, but there's like a straight up just they call it a story mode, story difficulty, which I. I I have I know one other person who's playing it. He's playing it on that. And he goes, oh yeah, I like never die. He goes, but I'm just here for the experience. Um, but I also heard like if you want that challenge, it's there. So it's an interesting game. Yeah, it, it's what. Yeah, I want to I want to play obviously mostly for the the story and card games are like kind of hit or miss for me. Like uh, some of them I've liked. Uh, like like uh, what is it? Slay the Spire. I I thought was pretty cool, and I guess that counts as a a card game, kinda. Yeah, it's it's got cards, Um, but then like you got like a thing that's like Hearthstone that is too much for me. So like I can't play like the full stuff, um, but I can definitely like mess with some of the lighter ones. So if it's not super intense and not super tactical, I think I should be fine. Like I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't mind almost like a chain of memories like tied to my actions immediately type thing it's more so like when i need to hold like i'm like draw a card and then it's like use this trap card and it's like, i can't do all that that's too crazy <laughs> but, but if i can 
but if I can, you know, just kind of experience a story and that's just kind of how the combat evolves, I, I can deal with that because I've dealt with games in the past that I didn't love the gameplay for, but like got a good Marvel story out of it. Like, you know, obviously there was uh, Ultimate Alliance 2, for example, once upon a time. Not, not the greatest gameplay, but, you know, decent enough to get like a fun enough story if you want to see people interact. So I'm assuming at the very worst, it'll be like that for me. Yeah, yeah, probably. But alright, so that's what I've been playing. Now we can get into the reason why we're here, Steve. It's the God of War Ragnarok spoiler cast. Uh, we've been hinting at this for quite a while because I've wanted to kind of go into deeper uh, detail about our thoughts with this game. So we're going to separate this into a lot of different sections. So uh, you can kind of you know jump around as needed. Uh, we're going to start off with just really top level overall spoiler free thoughts. Um, and that will be a quick section. Then immediately we can get into our bigger thoughts uh, with spoilers. We'll talk about separately the story, the gameplay, the characters. And then we'll have uh, two sections at the end that we'll kind of wait till we get there to kind of go into all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but top level, Steve, without any spoilers, kind of what is your general feelings towards this game? Yeah, you know, in general, I mean, this is what a AAA game should feel like. Uh, you know, when it hits... You have everyone talking about it. Uh, you have everyone dying to play it. I mean, there was some small controversies leading up to it. Just you know, from the initial re- you know release date, which I think everyone from the get go called that it wasn't gonna hit, to the delay, to that time where like the trailer date leaked and they didn't, and a bunch of little nonsense. But when you have so much hype and so much discussion coming out to a game, and and have a game deliver on that, I think is really cool. I think when you take a formula that's pretty mastered in the first god award um and able to refine it you know give it the tweaks that you want because it's, it's really easy to mess it up you know it's very easy to you know they could have added weapons that were no good or for some reason screwed up the feeling of it now did i expect that at all not no not from santa monica at all um but you know without obviously getting into it too deep right now i think in general when you have these characters go through what they've gone through um, seeing, you know, an iteration of them a couple of years back, you know, it's been, for some people, they didn't do a replay. For some people, they played the 2018, and this is the first time they've gone back to it. So to yeah, have those me. characters, yeah, to have those characters grow in certain aspects off screen and see who they are now because of what, what they went through in God of War 2018 and what they're preparing themselves to go through is, is just magnificent you know it just doesn't feel like there's missing a part it's just it's this is what a sequel should be a growing in every aspect you know is it perfect no i had i have two main issues with the game um and but in every other sense though this was a game where i couldn't wait you know when uh for some reason my daughter went through a phase that, that week where she was waking me up at 3 a.m um no problem i put a pot of coffee on there and i <laughs> turned up god of war ragnarok uh, and i had no problem because it's just it was a game that kept calling to me um, which is, it's weird because that's pretty much one of the only games that did that this year. There's a few other ones that I, I really got through, but this is one that it didn't feel like a chore to get through. It's something I did naturally play. Um, it's something that kept calling me through. I didn't feel burnt out by it. You know, I, I was worried because I had the opposite effect. And, you know, not to barter on it, I had the opposite effect with uh, Horizon sequel where... I just didn't want to play it. And I've come to the conclusion now that just Horizon's not for me. I don't like that game. Uh, not that I don't like the game. I just don't think that world and everything speaks to me right now. It took me forever to get the first one. It's not a, not my time for it. But God of War was the exact opposite. Where it's like I sat down with it and I just wanted to keep playing it. So 
I mean, it was our game of the year. We we gave it our game of the year here on Neo Vintage. Um, for overall many reasons, we talked about that last time. And pretty much this whole spoiler section, this whole spoiler cast is going to be why we did it. So, overall, just what a great game. Not perfect, but in many ways lived up to what it needed to be. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, overall, you know, if there's a kind of like one phrase I can kind of put on it is that they stuck the landing. Uh, and that's one thing I didn't really expect. I mean, going into it, like, so obviously Sony Santa Monica, incredibly talented team. We all knew that. Um so I had no doubt about the level of polish this game was going to have. I think my apprehension was I was concerned that God of War 2018 was kind of this lightning in a bottle, like right time, right franchise. It had been some time since we got, you know, a brand new God of War game and they came back and it was a whole new vibe and a whole new thing. Uh, it was it was fresh. It was a new idea. Um, and, you know, my concern was like, I don't know if they can do that again. Now that we know that world, we know these characters, and they're continuing a narrative um, with a new director, you know, there was a lot of moving parts there that were suggesting that we might get a really polished game that really falls short of everybody's hopes and expectations, and I don't think that happened at all, thankfully, um, kind of top level. I think they did a great job. The game was great. This is, you know, ultimately kind of what I was waiting for all year. I was looking for that kind of, like, high-level AAA Sony first party game and obviously Last of Us remake great game but again that's a remake it's a different thing this is the game I had been waiting for that I was kind of really hoping in, in some ways that Horizon was uh, you know a major sequel to you know a game from you know two to three years ago pr- uh, prior in uh, this one or no even more than that but um but uh, I, I think they they absolutely killed it uh, everything from you know and we'll get into it but the story the gameplay the characters all these things like really uh did a great job and i think this game not only stuck the landing and followed up what was great about the first one but really made its own way where i think in many ways uh in good ways this game differentiates itself dramatically from the first game um and and it has its own kind of feel and identity even though it's kind of continuing an existing narrative uh and, and and i think there are great things that uh it does to evolve some of the existing characters that we know about and you know i came out of the other side of god of war ragnarok uh just super more almost more impressed uh, than i was when i i finished the first god of war the first god of war i was like wow i mean that was like incredible i didn't expect that to be so good and you know ragnarok i finished and i was like okay i can't believe you guys were able to fix this because again this was once upon a time supposed to be a trilogy and the fact that they were actually able to kind of wrap this saga up into and again not to get into spoilers but they 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 managed to actually make this work is kind of like a testament to the talent of the the writing and the dev over there at sony santa monica so um yeah shout out to them and yeah overall highly recommended to anybody in the playstation ecosystem if you have a playstation and you're looking for something to play and you don't have this game already i think you're you're very missing out definitely check this game out um um, and, and the cool thing about it is, you know, like they've done a good job with the av- availability of the first one. So that's readily available. I, I say, do your homework, play the first one, then jump into Ragnarok. And I, I seriously doubt Yeah, I could see you playing it all the way through and not getting super burnt out because I think they do a great job of giving you those kind of rest points, um, to kind of decompress and kind of do things at your own pace. So yeah, definitely big thumbs up for me. Absolutely. So now 
spoiler thoughts with a little bit more specificity if you'd like uh what what, what do you think and what thoughts you got yeah I, I, again like, like i was saying the game delivered in so many ways everything i wanted and uh you know there's no way to spoil everything in this game at once so but yeah. there there's two sections that i have to discuss and the first section is which is the first time you t- i believe it's the first time that you take over atreus um, and you go into the, I forget where you go. I'm I'm terrible at with some of these realm names, but you go when you meet. Um, and I always screw up the pronunciation of her name. Uh, Angerboda. Angerboda. Yeah. Uh, so it's the first time you meet her, and with that, um, the issue with with that issue with that is so it's the first time you get Atreus right, and we kind of knew this was gonna happen right. You know, Atreus is a little bit older. He's taking a lot of lessons for Kratos. Let's see what some of that translates into gameplay wise. Uh, no, th- th- we're gonna put you on a yak and and, and have a <laughs> bunch of dialogue told to you while you're collecting a fruit here. And there's some combat, very few combat with very weak enemies here and there. Um, and it's not anything against the, her character. I that's not the issue. It's what you were doing is is nothing. Um, basically for an hour and a half there's a bunch of nothing and then at the last couple minutes she's like explores about the the marbles that atreus has and the spirits that are trapped inside of them the giants are gone but they're not like dead and it's like whoa whoa why is all this all of a sudden just being regurg- you know just thrown at me when you spent forever talking about flowers and paint for for no reason um so th- that's my my big hold and every time i've ever mentioned the game prior to our spoiler cast that's the scene i'm always talking about and it's pretty much on a consensus that that chapter it was just definitely broke the pacing with such a strong opening in the game when you have within half an hour you 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 have thor in your house you have odin in your house you have these amazing cutscenes and battles uh you have that great thing that i didn't you know when that first battle with thor you you, you have a quick time event and you think you succeeded the quick time event but you fail it only for thor to to revive you and and take the loading screen away and you can see like whoa, whoa that after such an amazing beginning like that you have this just slow walking simulator where you're just walking and and some of the discussions are cool and that's where i felt like the pacing was my biggest issue with the game is just you had these awesome moments and then you would have these just bubblings of nothingness kind of happening and i think it's a mixed bag i I will never know why it is that it is i don't know what was cut what was moved why they decided that was the way it needed to be done when i think the pacing of the first god of war was just constant um you had this one that was just had this huge dip um and then luckily it's it it made me worried for the next time you took over atreus um i was like oh no uh but luckily it turned to a different thing you know it wasn't the super walk it was you know more of what you were expecting with atreus gameplay which plays he plays significantly different uh, yeah if you button mash yeah it's, it's the same as kratos but he plays you have to play him significantly different than kratos because he's not just his brute force um so uh my only other issue is obviously this is god of war ragnarok uh, my other main issue with the game, you know, in full spoiler, was Ragnarok. I think it was, man, more of a fizzle uh, okay. than, than it was an epic sort of, like, hit, you know, because there's a lot of stuff that's happening, as Ragnarok should, you know, it should be a bunch of chaos, but you have everything going on with the World Serpent, you know, you got all this story about how the World Serpent, which in some mythology loki gives birth to well, in a sense gives birth to in this in this they did a, a thank god they did a very 
a good way of doing it in God of War Ragnarok with him putting the soul in the snake that turned into the world serpent. But the big thing that happened in the lore, and they discussed it in the first one, is how his fight with Thor in Ragnarok, he took a hit so hard that it teleported him back in time. That happens in Ragnarok, but it happens way off screen in the back. Um, so it's like it's like the wrong times were being focused on in Ragnarok, where I think just so much was going on that the right stuff wasn't focused. That's such a throwaway thing that if you blink, you won't see that happening in the background, where Thor hits it and then boom, he's gone. And he tell you know, and it's a cycle. So I just think that is where the other issue was, where it's. I don't know, you think Ragnarok, you think big, you think God of War, you think about those endings to the other God of War games, so you think back to the ending to God of War 2018, and you have this one that kind of ends too quickly, in a, in a sense. It's, it's just like, here, spend 45 minutes running through trenches fighting these enemies you've been fighting um, to finally then catch up to, to, to do the Thor fight, uh, you know, another Thor fight, uh, to do, obviously, want to go hand-on-hand with Odin. Um, so I just don't, I, and that's, I guess, more personal taste. I, I just don't think it delivered exactly where it was. I don't think it was like this grand firework. I Like I said, it was like a sort of sizzle, which was cool. I love these characters. I love seeing them all interact with each other in that ending. Um, and, but just it just didn't feel like a an endgame sort of, not an endgame Marvel, but like this big endgame hit. Um, so those were my sort of things. Besides that, I think everything else in the game was really well done i think everything with kratos as a character learning to let go of a trace uh you know one sense losing a trace to being able to let a trace go i think was done really well um so you know full spoiler i mean i could sit here and talk for hours but full spoiler what were your thoughts yeah um kind of like you know high level because obviously we'll we'll have time to go into the characters and story i actually have similar thoughts obviously you know great game very positive about it um i have some issues with i, I don't know if it's necessarily a pacing issue i think it's a little like back and forth and back and forth and go to Sindri's camp and then go to this world and then go back and where is atreus now oh he's over there play as atreus go back now i'm kratos doing this thing with her it's a after a while it's like okay i i i think They've kind of made me appreciate God of War 1's linearity a little bit more. Um, yeah. And again, I think... Uh, I, I love the way that they incorporated a more kind of open structure there. I think they embed the side content a lot better in this game than um, the first one. Where the first one, you really do kind of like bang through the story and then it's kind of on you. Go to the other realms, do the other things if you'd like. Um, where... In this one, yeah, like it, it embeds quests almost like a traditional um, open world game, which I can appreciate. Uh, but yeah, after a while, you know, the kind of back and forth nature of it um, was a little bit much at times. Um, one big thing for me was the Ragnarok thing. I've thought about that a lot. Um, when I first kind of played through the game, I also was kind of let down by by Ragnarok, and it was less so um, that I think they kind of failed in delivering a a compelling kind of, like, climax, and more so the build-up to what actually happened didn't really match up. You know, you have this entire game and all these prophecies and all these characters and players and um, all these twists and turns, and it's going to this, and how do we stop Ragnarok all the way to, okay, now let's make Ragnarok happen, um to the point and then you know it kind of happens and 
in in many ways, I I guess I was just so surprised how literal some things were, where it was like a literal siege on yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. on Odin's palace, like a literal like soldiers going around, which was fine. Like I I understood to some extent that would be happening, and you have you know the the giant dude in the background smashing everything, and that's cool. And and then next thing you know, you're fighting Odin. I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Like the big thing, and you fight Odin, and then you beat Odin. And I'm like, oh, okay, that that didn't go where I I thought it was. I don't know if I was expecting like a, a Power Rangers Odin turns big type situation. Not necessarily all that, but I was actually kind of surprised. And again, it wasn't easy for them to take down Odin. That's not what I'm saying, but more so like I was surprised of like how literal. Like, yeah, we just killed Odin, sealed him away, and that was that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. I I, I expected maybe some some other major development and um one major thing that i was maybe expecting and maybe was a little let down by but understand why they made that choice is yeah some of the plots that they are obviously heading into with whatever exists outside of this universe that uh, kratos inhabits uh with that whole mask situation and ultimate knowledge and what is out there and uh, what is drawing them in and what did Odin see or what did he try to see when he looked in and what would he have seen when he, if he looked in with that mask all of those things they really didn't actually address at all um, they really kind of held it close to their chest and is obviously something that they're holding off for um, so part of me is like actually really excited about the idea that like okay so they're not you know playing all their cards just yet um, they they very clearly and again we we have a whole section we can talk about the future of the the franchise but uh, that was one thing that I was like surprised that they kept it very locked into the established narrative of this is how this world kind of not ends but you know builds to this giant Ragnarok thing that has been prophesized that's what the game is about uh, everything else that they kind of uh, introduced as themes of like outside of maybe um, where Kratos was at one point, you know, the whole kind of Greece and you know, the Pantheon stuff, all of that, uh, outside of this Norse world that exists, there is something out there, outside of all of that, uh, that at least um, Odin was trying to harness and tap into. What that is, if it comes back in any substantive way, is unclear. Um, but yeah, they, they made it very clear that they're, they're not really going to be addressing all of that. The moment that Atreus kind of smashed that uh, mask, that was the end of that, at least for now. Um, and I thought that was very interesting because that was like a super compelling thing. Because it makes me wonder, like, if you have these other realms that exist that, you know, let's say the... the Egyptian comedic gods exist somewhere out there and you have uh, the the Greek pantheon once upon a time that existed in this little like sphere of universe there's something outside of all of that maybe some organizing structure that I wonder how that works and and how that can play a major role to whatever Kratos decides to do next <clears throat> and where he decides to go next and whether that plays a role at all but that's just kind of you know me speculating and me was kind of hoping that they kind of like let it all out towards the end of this game where they definitely held some stuff back because it's, it's clear that they have big and bold plans for the future of God of War um, but overall, you know, I, li I, I liked it quite a bit. I thought the story was really, really great. My favorite things about the story are actually completely divorced from uh, the most immediate, like, Odin-tier Ragnarok stuff. 
and actually what is really compelling to me is when you look at the themes that they're playing around in this game when you look at the kind of just general maturation and of Atreus and what it means to be your own person and, and make your own decisions and autonomy what it means for Kratos to be a father trying to really not make the mistakes that he feel like maybe in some ways were made with his, his life and or at least the path he was going down and to like how does he keep Atreus from becoming him you know in some ways Atreus's life has been so different than Kratos that you think on the surface like hey there's no way he can become like Kratos but then you have I think Kratos got these glimpses of like if I continue parenting this way it's gonna make him this kind of closed off emotion or emotionally stunted individual that in some ways Kratos was for so long um and it's so interesting how it kind of plays into themes of like um <clears throat> generational traumas and how things kind of translate to each other and what you went through if you don't take the time to address yourself you can pass on to your kid um and and, and th those themes like that I think are the most compelling part and we have time to get into that later um but yeah that's what I would say you know kind of in a spoiler way where it's like I think God of War Ragnarok is actually strongest when you think about it in relation to character development and character relations rather than the most literal narrative that's happening with, you know, Sindri and, and Grok and all and, and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, that, that, those are my kind of overall spoilery thoughts. So I guess we can go deeper into the story now if you'd like. Um, so this one kind of kicks off exactly where the previous one let, left off uh, with kind of Thor popping up um, at Kratos and Atreus' house. And then from that point onwards, you it, the, the game really kind of comes starts with a bang with that amazing meeting between Thor and Odin uh, and Kratos. Um, what, what did you think about the overall kind of story from like a strictly narrative perspective of this game? Yeah, you know, uh, I always thought it would be really good. Um, I, I was, I, I'll be honest, I was nervous when the game starts. Um, Obviously, you have your you have your issue with Freya, you kill her son, and everything that happens. But then we get you know the post cutscene, which was God of War twenty eighteen with Thor arriving. Um, you know, unhoods himself, talks, and I was like, okay, wow, this is this is starting good. Um, then you get the Odin reveal right off the bat. I said, whoa, you know, we're I'm not even two hours into this game, and and I've got I've got Kratos, Thor, Odin, Atreus, and Mimir, you know, mouthing off in the back. I was like, whoa, whoa. I said they have to be very confident in their story to give us everyone up front <laughs> you know in a, in a big way you know they're like all right here's what freya's been here's you know thor here's odin here's what he wants and i'm like wow this is definitely something special if they think not saving the odin not reveal because i think we saw a screenshot of him before uh, or whatever it is but his introduction uh was just right off i i didn't expect that. i don't think anyone expected within two hours of the game starting you were gonna have everyone you know have this meeting already you know with with what you did in the first god in god of war 2018 i mean you killed thor's sons you know you had these these other so it's just like all this stuff and it's like oh my god this is all happening right off the bat and it doesn't you know it it, it changes and odin always especially in most versions of odin he's always not a trickster per se, but always has a secret agenda. And this one, he does obviously. You mentioned a lot about the oh, this all-knowing and what's the sliver, you know, the glows with the, the with the connection to the mask and everything like that. So, story-wise, I think they were smart on capitalizing on the characters we knew. Um, if you think about it, just maybe what two, four, six, 
maybe what like 10 12 characters really that stick throughout the game um and i think they delivered a lot with them um even brock and Sindri with which i think were important in 2018 i don't think they were in the foreground like they are in this game um i mean to the point where uh, again so we're having a full spoiler i mean brock's death is a big big changer yeah. um in, in in many things <clears throat> especially with atreus which is his his growth is what we thought we'd be focusing on but that's a big thing i think uh, that's a big theme i saw which which was growing from a situation you know um especially when you Sindri talks about what he had to go through with brock's first death you know years and years ago you know Sindri becomes a completely different person after that atreus tries to recoil himself and it's like no let's go hunting uh let's go back to what we used to do um to the point where kratos has to be like it's okay to you know a, a change with kratos who's like very you know close yourself to emotions and he's in the point where he's different he tells the son you have to feel for this because atreus does have this big deep relationship with brock and Sindri, so on how close he was to them so that's when when i look at the story it's like though it's yes it's a in a on paper basic story uh guys trying to stop ragnarok ragnarok has to happen it is what it is but it's the characters in the story that are so so different it's the stuff of forgiveness and and change is what i really took away from this i don't think there's one character in this game that didn't change drastically uh you know through whether it's through death through through life through discovery uh through forgiveness if you think about what freya had to go through at one point i i, I didn't know how long i could trust freya for a long time <laughs> yeah. i said she's she can change at any moment um but she has this big issue um especially with and i kind of wish it wasn't done not not off screen but it's done while you're playing and freya is your partner at one point where you know she she comes at kratos like you, you know what do you how, how would you know what it is to lose to lose uh your children um you know and and kratos discusses you know listen he wears the ashes of his daughter and and his wife and he not only did he lose his daughter and, and wife he was the reason they died so it, it gets deeper into that and she starts to see a different side of kratos and kratos is opening up that's i don't think something he discussed at all i think in the 2018 version uh no not at all i don't think at all obviously we know it's you know his skin is white covered in ash so we know that but it's that's a huge huge reveal um that's something who knows if he's ever mentioned he's must have talked to trace about that but it's just something that he's telling someone like freya who he talks about constantly he's like that he still didn't see her as an enemy and that's really what just stuck to me with this game is what situations could cause someone to change or not change um even though some of it again at the end of the game feels rushed Thor all of a sudden after his uh, and I say Kratos has a Naruto speech and, and, and convinces Thor to be a yeah. good guy in a sense is, is how I describe it to everybody you know he had a Naruto speech he had an anime you know plot progression there um to have Thor finally be like maybe you're right maybe Odin I should turn against Odin and then then boom Thor's dead as well uh so it's the story did not go where I think it was going I I thought I'm not sure what I even expected. I, I, I tried not to even pre-emphasize what was going to happen in this one because, again, we knew it was going to lead to Ragnarok for a long time. It's where Norse mythology goes and ends is with the Ragnarok, with the death of so many. So how did you uh, really just overall <clears throat> reflect on that story? Yeah, it, it it's really interesting 
to me as well because um, when we got God of War 2018, you see this kind of somewhat evolved or at least trying to evolve version of, of Kratos. There's all those like dad of war jokes and all that and stuff like yeah. that. But uh, I think that's really, you really do get to see some of the changes in this game where this is a guy who really does have this immense reluctancy towards going back to war, which is so interesting to see, especially considering the fact that for the first three, four games of God, in the God of War franchise, he brings the war to people, um, let alone you know being thrust into an existing situation and doing everything in his power to remove him and his immediate family away from that. Um, and, and so that's what I think is so interesting. <clears throat> the story, you know, my general thoughts about the story kind of going along with what I spoke about earlier about this whole idea of the themes and interplay between the characters being kind of the most compelling portions of that. Uh, the Ragnarok portion is very interesting. One major thing that I was curious about was, you know, what, how is this going to roll out in terms of this, you know, Kratos' involvement with the whole Ragnarok process without him mindlessly killing every god available like he did previously because I know that he's not going to want to do that. You know what I mean? But I know that when it's all said and done, some of these gods are going to die. I know that to be the case. And I love the way that they kind of played that out where, the, you know, the... That, that's one thing I think maybe people don't talk about enough is the um, tremendous restraint of Kratos in this game. You know, I, like when when it's time to turn up, he turns up, no doubt about that. But you have to think about like the the, the Freya situation. You know, in an early point of his life, she would be beyond dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, continually attacking him with his son there. And and the, the and again, she's no slouch. It's not like he could just like choose, but like if if he really decided to kill Freya, he could do that, um, as he's done many times before with other gods, just as powerful, if not more so. Um, but in this one, he was able to look at the subtext of the situation, and what you saw there was a person that not only understood her pain and acknowledged her pain but had a tremendous amount of empathy in that moment to the point that he would literally allow uh, murder attempts and just try his best to disengage and kind of diffuse the situation rather than engage it uh, physically which is such an uh, immense evolution uh, to Kratos which I don't think people talk about enough I think a lot, a lot of people obviously it's like oh it's crazy that he didn't walk in and just immediately slaughter you know um Thor's whole family and all of them like he would have done probably once upon a time he probably just would have wiped them all out and he's like I'm not dealing with this um as you saw with the Greek pantheon um but with this one you know he not only had this reluctance towards the the warlike portion and getting involved in all this which you know I, I can appreciate this idea of him despite having completely eviscerated the world he came from um he obviously does maintain to some degree this greek identity this idea of like this is not really my world it's not really my problems and i can appreciate that that to some degree it's like I, he still sees himself as an outsider despite the fact that you know he met a nice woman settled down had a kid been in there for a while um and has you know established this as his home he still to some degree looks at uh, himself as like an outsider kind of stuck in this world now um, and she's trying to make his way the best he can 
uh, without getting too ingratiated. And he ends up being the most ingratiated person into this whole process. Um, but I can appreciate the amount of restraint he showed, where not only did you see that with Freya, but also with um, Thor's daughter, whose name is escaping me right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, in that moment towards the very end there, he actually takes on a new ally who, you know, in many ways... Uh, that was a dangerous game to play, you know, bringing in someone that close that could that could have went left really quickly. But he showed a willingness to kind of trust Atreus, and that is the big thing uh, that I think is the development in Kratos's character is not only getting to a point to show that restraint and to show that empathy, and and also try to understand other people's perspectives but at the same time also trust someone who is fundamentally different than them in the way that they approach different situations and i think that's that's a appreciative too where it's like take you know god of war 2 or god of war 3 kratos and try to convince him not to uh, or to trust someone maybe associated closely with the pantheon and work with them like that's a tougher sell if, if the, it's not immediately in his best interest where in this one he just had to trust atreus he you have to keep in mind he hadn't really met her up until that point so there was nothing really this is thor's daughter the guy who's been you know trying to rip his head off that whole time um and he actually had to show some trust and some um faith in that moment and i think that's like a big moment for him um and also, most of all, the thing that people are not really talking about, we saw Kratos lose for the first time. Um, mm -hmm. Thor whooped his ass. Let's not forget that he resuscitated yeah. Kratos. Kratos lost. Yeah. And that's one thing I haven't seen anybody mention. This idea that's like, oh my god, Kratos beat this guy, or killed this guy, he killed all the, nobody can beat Kratos. No, it, Thor beat Kratos. Yeah. Relatively easy. He killed Kratos, essentially, with a slash across his stomach. That's all that happened. And that is, I think, incredibly impressive. Because uh, that, I mean, if you want to do power scaling, Kratos looks just as powerful, if not more powerful in this franchise, or in this uh, chapter of the God of War franchise than the previous one. Uh, and Thor handled him, which tells you that Thor is probably the strongest force we've ever seen in this franchise, uh, which is crazy. To, th to think, I, I wouldn't have thought that. You would have thought like Odin, but you have to keep in mind, like, it, like, like Thor got caught slipping towards the end there. But yeah. you, you know, on it when he decided to fight, and he wasn't co ethically compromised by the fact that, hey, this is my father, and just kill outright killing my father is not an easy thing to just decide mm -hmm. to do. When he's actually deciding to like fight, Kratos didn't really stand a chance, which is kind of crazy to really actually say. But if you really think about it, and you, I've, I've actually rewatched that scene. Like, Kratos was going through it. <laughs> like, that was yeah. not an easy thing. And, yeah, he brings him back, and then he's like, all right, that's your blood debt. He, like, you know, slaps him on the butt and tells him to get going, clean yourself up, basically. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy to see. So that's another thing why I, I love this story is that you really, for the first time, actually see Kratos humbled <laughs> for the first time, where, like, he doesn't explicitly acknowledge it, but he has to some degree. You have to imagine that that kind of also factored into his reluctance. Yeah. Where he's like, for the first time, I don't know if I can, like, win this. You know what I mean? Like, if I decide to walk into... I forget, what what is the name of the world that um, uh, Odin and all of them were at? I forget the name of it. Um, it's not Midgar, obviously. That's uh, Earth. But whatever that world was, that, that oh, realm. Asgard. Yeah, Asgard. Asgard. Um, he's like, I mean, after that fight, you have to think, to some degree, Kratos was like, I don't know if I can just, like, waltz into Asgard. 
like I did <laughs> with the the previous gods. I was like, I he's like, I don't think he thought that that would go well. And I think that's a very valid thing. So that's another thing I think that makes this story so interesting is to see this incredibly powerful person be humbled in a way that I think narratively makes sense. We saw it play out and it it wasn't something that I necessarily ever thought I'd see in that way to see just Kratos lose. And this is not the end of the game. This is yeah, damn near the beginning of the game. Yeah, yeah. They started with the game. They started the game with him getting laid out. And then from that point onwards, continuing, and then he gets different weaponry to deal with things. And in many ways, his combat skills actually increase. You know, you could see the way it plays out with Heimdall and all that stuff like that, which was a ma- we'll get into that with characters and everything like that. A masterclass in combat choreography. I mean, that was awesome. Uh, but yeah, overall, you know, the story I think really holds up. I think, and and we'll get into it. You know how it compares to God of War one that is very debatable. Uh, I think that it entirely depends on what you're looking for. Um, but yeah, o- overall, I think the story is an absolute success. No, I, yeah, I agree. And then we have, uh, let's get into the gameplay. Now, this one uh, is some, I think one of the more over uh, understated portions of the game where people don't talk about it as much. Uh, but this is a very well-designed game um, that introduced some really cool mechanics, some traversal mechanics. Uh, feels really good and increase and also add some new weaponry which is really cool that that spear that you use i think is really really fun and is an excellent callback to kind of um kratos's origins uh so i really like the gameplay i've always loved the combat of the god of war uh series even you know back in the day and then kind of when they reinvented it with 2018 i thought they gave it a nice weight to it that I've always that I actually kind of want from a lot of other games um, that that like for example Horizon I wish had more of a God of War weight to it for example mm-hmm. uh, where you can not only uh, feel Kratos's power but you also feel the impact on the enemies and you see them react dynamically and there's I, what one thing that I hate is when you have a game that you're like slashing away but the enemy's not fully reacting to it aka monster hunter basically um where this game is the opposite of that where i think it does a great job of giving you that power in that way what do you think about the gameplay yeah no i mean it's uh, it's such a refinement of something that's i was so good already you know that's what i always say you know everyone that was always a big dilemma when you went from the original god of war trilogy which is more hack and slash dmc style yeah um and then you get this, which is, you know, tighter camera with controls, limited to a heavy attack, weak attack, and on the base, it looks very simple. Um, but when you think about it, what always stuck to me is what you had to do for different enemies. You know, you if you wanted, even though if one weapon was your favorite weapon, you had to keep it diverse. You had to switch from your, you know, from the blades to, to, the, to the axe to later on having to use the spear, which, again, also, I also agree was a great throwback. You know, even Kratos says it. They're like, why are you so good with this already? He's like, this is the first thing we use as Spartans growing up. This is the first weapon, and which is, you know, historically accurate. It's yeah. the first weapon they learn to use. So when I found out that you got a spear, I was like, well, it makes sense. I'm like, I'm surprised he hasn't had one before. Uh, it makes absolute sense. Um, and, and it gets, you know, just the small creativity with, you know, three weapons you know that's always one thing and if you think about the original trilogy of god of war he had tons of them he had tons of by the end of the game every boss gave you a weapon or whatever it was um and you had tons of them you could swap through them really quickly and it was fine but it, there's no memorable combos you hit and this one you think think about the stuff you had to pull off with um and we'll get into it, heimdall which 
one of my favorite characters scott porter delivered on that that character um but just the small combat having to do with that where you can't land a hit he, he cradles the nose he's like i can't hit this guy what, what, what am i supposed to do um and you find creative ways to use a spear you know having things that he can't see ahead um it's a small combat later on when you're trying to recruit people for for ragnarok and you're going, you're going through waves and waves of enemies sometimes, and you have to change it up. And I think that's what really stuck with me. Um, also, one thing that people I feel like also don't, it, you know, it, it's because it's, it's part of the gameplay, but it's not gameplay specific that you're doing, is the partner relationship. Um, I think, I think I, I, it'll be probably a long time before I go back and play God of War 2018, but to have a partner who does so little in that one is going to be very interesting. Um, I think in this one, when you. Even when you first get Freya to play, and she's your, not sidekick, but you know, she's the other character there instead of Atreus, I think it's really interesting to see her go with using the wings abilities, using all the Valkyrie abilities that she has to her weapons, so using some, you know, the plant stuff that she has. Um, when you're Atreus, you know, you, you're, you've partnered up with Thor or, or Throod, um, right? Throod's the dog? Throod is it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's her name. Um, when you're partnered with her, it's they are powerhouses. You know how many times you're sitting there? You're sitting there with arrows with Atreus, and, and Thor through comes and just with one big hit, just knocks the enemies out. And I'm like, dang, what am I even doing here? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they come and just clean house. Um, and I think that's a really cool thing to do um, in a world where it's not just you know shadow casted as all right. Now you always have to have a partner, so here's a partner. Um, no, they feel different to have. You know, I played significantly different. When I had Freya with me, or if I had Atreus with me, or when I was Atreus, um, a little bit different. When there's times where literally I was like, I left the guy, I turned the camera because I knew Thor was gonna just wreck them, and I was like, just trying to get through this section. So I think overall, this gameplay is just something that it's gonna be hard for them to keep refining and refining um, because it's such a masterclass in gameplay, and it's a gameplay that we've seen before. You know, you know, hit with R1, hit heavy with R2. Um, but it, it, it's very hard to get right in this world. And I think Santa Monica knows exactly how to do it. And they've done it twice. Yeah, I think it's a perfect example of, like, if it ain't broke, you know, and then they kind of just uh, refined and cleaned up. And it felt great in 2018. So that was one of the things that I said that, hey, if they just, like, move that forward, like, no complaints here. And they, they found ways, I think, to kind of innovate on it without kind of sacrificing what made it great in the first time. Uh, and, and then one big thing is not only that I think do they have the right kind of feel for combat, but then also when you change weapons and, it, you know, it, as you said, it kind of encourages you to try different weapons on different enemy types. It also kind of fundamentally changes the flow of battle. You know, when you're using the blades, there's this range that you have and this flowiness that's, again, very akin to the older games. You have the, the weightiness of the axe, but then once you have the spear, um, there it's like this perfect middle zone for me i think where you have this damage but versus you also have that kind of wave move, move where you kind of implant one of them in there and then you hit like triangle or something like that and it explodes and stuff like that um so it actually gives you kind of like this arrow range to kind of complement already what like you know atreus or like freya would be doing mm-hmm. um and then that's another thing where it's like the, there's just everything so well designed and works to 
so well to each other that you can kind of try out different things and i remember i'd be aiming for feet if they had they have like shields and stuff like that and it works really well um and and yeah so i think i think in, in terms of a gameplay perspective you know it feels good traversal you know this game has always had kind of like basic approaches to traversal so like running and jumping and stuff like that have always been kind of like a backseat thing and I think they're good enough. Like, is it the best feeling, you know, traversal or climbing ever? Not really. I'm still, like, very partial to, like, like the Assassin's Creed franchise, for example. That's, like, yeah. where I like my, the climbing. Um, this climbing is good enough. It doesn't bother me. Sometimes I think it's on, on the slow side. That's one critique I'd have in terms of gameplay. Uh, the, the climbing can be a little slow. Um, but, I mean, you know... Kratos not being the most agile guy in the world does not surprise me, so that, that yeah. I don't really, you know, beat him up on. Um, but yeah, you know, overall, I think gameplay really holds out, and the good thing about it is um, because the movements are so fluid and stuff like that, uh, in, in terms of just the general kind of movement animations that so Sony Santa Monica had set up, I think this game is going to also age very well. That's another thing. Okay. Um, that I think this, this game is going to age tremendously over time because... Uh, the way that they design these animations to flow to you get together, there's no jaggedness. And the great thing is when you have that power and that high frame rate, it's just such an organic, good feeling feel that I think going forward, it's going to, it's going to be an excellent game to go uh, back to if anybody decides to do so. Uh, now's the fun portion, the characters, uh, a lot of them from the first one that kind of evolve. Uh, and then we have some new introductions, uh, specifically through the, the Asgardians and stuff like that. Um, Personally, you know, I'm also a big fan of Heimdall. I think the performance was, was great there. I've always had a real appreciation for Mimir and his just general line delivery. And uh, what I like about Mimir in this game is that you also kind of learn of how much of an a-hole he was in life. Um, yeah. uh, he's just kind of like a terrible dude. And he obviously has like tremendous remorse about that. But because of his very obvious situation, there's not much he can really do about it outside of try to motivate his compatriots to try to help him help do it for him essentially um and do right by others uh I, yeah i loved mimir in this i loved freya's character arc uh you know for the point that she she found forgiveness because it was an interesting seeing that rage from freya that was in many ways so valid you know what i mean like at no point do i necessarily feel that she was being irrational in some ways, you could be like, okay, well, it might be in everybody's best interest to try to put this to the side as best as you can, at least for the time being. Um, but, I mean, you have to think about the perspective she was in, you know, like, if you, if you really, like, kind of, like, pay attention to the situation, this is obviously someone who's, yes, mad at Kratos, but most of all mad at herself that the situation kind of got to that point and that she didn't get the chance to kind of fix that in many ways her own kind of issue um and and you can see that kind of frustration in her with herself and with the world and with kratos all together and and you know misplaced aggression is a real thing and and in many ways you don't even have to say that it's like misplaced because i mean technically yeah kratos did kill her son like like he really did um despite however you feel you know there is that kind of sense of loyalty to the person you literally gave birth to i think that's a completely valid thing so i loved kind of freya's arc where you know, I knew as I was playing at some point, she's probably going to forgive Kratos, probably. And I just was really hoping that they don't do it in a corny way, because mm -hmm. this is a serious situation. I didn't want her to just be like, you know what, fine, you're right. Like, this ain't a fine, you're right type of situation. Like, Baldur's dead forever. 
So let's treat it as such. And I think they handled that with care. And so that's one of my big things is additional to what I've kind of talked about previously with kind of Kratos's uh, character arc. Most of all, and, and obviously Atreus kind of growing into his own man. I think Freya's arc is, is one of the more compelling things that really kind of like hit me hard. Just kind of seeing her kind of from where she that that immense kind of frantic pain that you see in the beginning where like she throw everything out like i'm killing everyone type thing to the point where she has to not only come to terms with you know her son dying but also her relationship with her brother and how that impacts her relationship with kratos going forward and 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 all of that and also obviously her literal ex-husband and dealing with all of that um Mm -hmm. so you know freya had a lot to deal with almost more than almost anybody in this game so i can i really love the way that she was treated throughout this game whereas she was very eyes on the prize which i can appreciate but at the same time was evolving as a person which is is cool to see these kind of like ancient beings that have existed for so long kind of actively in real time evolving and kind of taking in new information and trying to be the best version of themselves that they can be uh what are your thoughts about the characters what are your favorites and and maybe least favorites as well yeah no i i think i mean everyone did just a fantastic job uh we we, and we've gone we knew you know the the sunny playing atreus we knew uh, Christopher Judge playing Kratos was gonna do beautiful performances, but yeah. I think yeah, I think Freya is one that I liked Freya in the first one. I just didn't think I would just like love her character so much in this one, just because like you're saying, she went through so much, you know, from losing her son to wanting to kill and get revenge to being to the point where she was revenge isn't gonna do anything. And in a sense, you know, she admits it too. She goes, I don't know if I could kill her. I, you know, at one point Kratos says, "Is like, well, what are you gonna do next?" Are you gonna, for, you know, forgive me or whatever the scene is? Yeah. And, you know, forgive or kill me or and she's like, I can't do either, and that's and that's fair, that's fair. She doesn't have to forgive him for killing his son, but she also knows, come on, you can't kill him. <laughs> um, but yeah, then moving on to and I completely forgot about the, her whole arc with her brother that she hasn't seen in so long. Yeah. And coming to to not just justification, but sort of redemption and everything she did uh as wife to odin um going through getting her weapons and going through when you go through that area it's like oh yeah this is where we had our vows and stuff and she goes i fooled myself thinking i was happy then um i I was not i was not happy then and and getting all that stuff is just really really great so that's one thing i enjoyed um heimdall was obviously the other one that really got me just surprised because i thought Alright, I knew very little of Heimdall. I know he's sort of uh, in, in different versions of this myth- of this mythology. We, you know, he's, he could predict the future. He can sense things. You know, he's you know the whisper in, in Odin's ear. Um, and I think this is one of the best ones we saw, best interpretations of that we've ever seen. Um, t- to just immediately hate everything about him, but because you're supposed to. Uh, is a interesting concept like you're not supposed to like Heimdall at all but at the same time he's just doing his job you know here comes Atreus uh, being held up as this golden boy Heimdall saying from the beginning hey he's not a good guy this is gonna be bad this is gonna end up bad if you guys keep doing this and what happens <laughs> you know you got death and everything that happens and you have Ragnarok happen because of it and he's just there like I told you I told you this um and even to the humble moment when he first gets, the, I think it's a scratch on his face when he's fighting Kratos with the spear, um, 
and he realizes that he can get hurt and he was like oh like there's that that expression on his face is priceless because i still (laughs) remember when he's like oh no and then you just continue to to wipe the floor with him so i think he was just really well done and and someone i knew not much about again he's just one of those characters like oh yeah i know a version of heimdall's in this game but i didn't really think what else um Overall, I think everyone else did just a really great job. I think the actors played Angerboda did fantastic. Uh, Thor was obviously just exactly what I wanted this Thor to be. I think it's such a great, bold movement for them because nowadays people hear Thor, they think uh, Chris Hemsworth, they think the MCU Thor. Um, and that's, let me tell you, everyone who's out there is listening, that Thor is a Thor, but let me tell you that it's not the Thor. If you go read the, the the legends and everything of the original Thor, you know, you see this super drunken, you know, there's that whole bar fight scene and, and Thor stumbling, throwing up, puking everywhere. Um, and that is a version, that is a very definite version of, of Thor, especially when he's gone through what he's gone through at this point, losing his son, still trying to be so obedient and faithful and loyal to his father. You see his dynamic with his wife, uh, which I don't remember, but um, yeah she you know and you, she has a small thing being like she has such i wish she was a little bit more upfront because she had a small part but her also in knowing what's going to happen and knowing the truth about odin really pushed that you know and there's that it's like i call it a cutscene but there's a part there's a part where as a trace you can go outside their room and you can hear them arguing and they have this great dialogue i just wish i could see it because it sounds like they're having this huge argument but you, you don't see it the f- true performance being delivered, um, which is absolutely, absolutely great. Um, the only, the only one I guess not my least favorite, and it's kind of a cop out because, uh, again, it just it ended up being a trick. Uh, I I just didn't resonate too much with Tear uh, mm. either version of it. Uh, if you, whether you, I know that so the Tear that you see throughout the whole game almost uh, ends up obviously being Odin. Um, um, and even when you get to the real tier layer later on, he's still kind of just not there. I know he's this sort of quote unquote retired God of War. I just would have wished it would have been cool to see a moment of true. Listen, this is why it was called the God of War at one point. Just just to see a version of God of War that wasn't Ares and Kratos. Um, it would have been cool, kind of cool to see that. I just think I, I understand that it just it probably wouldn't have fit in here at any time. Uh, I don't know how else you would have snapped this where that big reveal was. You know, it's something I kind of caught on to slightly earlier that that something was up with that. Um, and obviously, then it goes full front when Tear starts calling him uh, Loki right there, and that's when Brock picks up on it. So that's my only thing. It's just I, I get why they did what they did with Tear. I just wish there was a moment, that big significant Tear moment. Um, even if it was sort of because you don't get to the real, I don't think you get to real tier until post game um, content. Uh, I just wish there was still some sort of moment there, which would have been. But overall, what a fantastic cast of characters, and I'm gonna miss them because obviously uh, some of these characters die. But uh, and we'll get into obviously soon what we think where God of War goes from here. Some of these characters probably won't uh, <laughs> come along for the journey. Yeah, yeah, and and. 
funnily enough, as you were talking to me, I was thinking about like some characters that I had like issues with, or or maybe not issues. Yeah, Sif. The, the I just wish we got more from her. Um, yeah. She didn't really play any significant role until later. Everything was kind of like background, like if you're paying attention, her dynamic in relation to her daughter and, and Thor. I wish we got more from Sif. She's a powerful player in her own right, and I feel like they maybe slept on her a little bit. Uh, so, you know, hopefully, you know, if they choose to move with her going forward, that we get a little bit more uh, stuff from Sif. I, I doubt it. I think this is kind of going to be it for her. But um, that that was one thing. Disappointing. I do not like the chipmunk dude. Whatever his name is by the oh, tree. I didn't do any of those missions. If I me like neither, that. man. I don't he, have time for that. It's just I was getting tired of being screamed at every time I go to Sindri's house. And he's like, excuse me, Mr. Kratos. Like, can you help me? No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Whatever weird mission you're sending me on, there's no way. So, yeah, he was annoying as hell. Um, and I didn't really care for him. And, yeah, Heimdall, man, he killed it. And what I love about him is he's got this kind of, like, pretentious arrogance to him that is it perfectly encapsulates somebody who's never been touched before. Like, yeah, he carries himself like someone who, like, yeah, you can't touch me. I know your next move. And it's so hilarious that the moment he gets touched... All of that unwinds, and you could see how much that's kind of this privileged facade that he's had all this time, where it's like he's he's really a shallow kind of insecure type of dude that immediately just can't hang and can't hold it together the moment that you know he f- faces significant pushback because again, this is a guy who nobody's been able to land a punch on, and for the first time, not only has somebody landed a punch, but now my life might be at stake. And, you know, he's just as familiar with the Ragnarok stuff, too. So he knows, to some degree, what he thought was an impossible is in play now. Which was, you know, like, hey, I have to die to make all this happen. Well, I know damn well nobody's going to touch me, so I'm good. This is fine. And the fact that I'm like, oh, man, like, my death is probably going to happen now. That that must have been a, a scary prospect for him. And his voice acting kind of at that point and his kind of character performance really kind of shows that perfectly. Um, so I really loved seeing kind of Heimdall unwind in that way. And then lastly, for me, what I loved about Odin is that when you first kind of see him, you know, he's this very reserved, kind of quiet, soft-spoken guy, which I really appreciated. He's so different than, like, for example, when you met Zeus for the first time. Um, and he's this kind of, like, over-the-top, loud, powerful. Like, he, he carries himself in the way that you'd expect from a guy kind of leading this giant pantheon or group of gods. Um, where Odin's very different than that. You know, he's this more reserved plotting type where like you can't always know exactly what he's doing and he'll never let you know he's not the type to kind of like let you know let all his plans out um and so it was really interesting to see an antagonist that is actively um countering the narrative that he's an antagonist which is what i love about odin where the entirety of the time he's trying to convince everybody that he is not a bad dude and that everything you've heard about him is not true and, you know, obviously, if it walks like a talk, duck, talks like a duck, like if everybody's saying that he's a piece of crap, you could assume that he is. But if you take just his words and what you immediately see, eventually you might even start to buy into it as a player where it's like, okay, maybe he's not that bad. And maybe he really is just seeking knowledge. And maybe he's had some bad, uh, he's done some bad things as a younger god once upon a time. But maybe now he's just this old man that really wants to, um, 
go on this journey and learn these things and and then you you always see that you know he has these sin- really sinister per- um intentions that he kind of holds close to himself you know, holds close to the vest that uh you know everybody else be damned and then that is is such an interesting portrayal of somebody he's not this kind of overtly powerful guy now towards the end you can see what he's really capable of and i I liked seeing that that was it was fun to finally um get a glimpse of his power but up until that point you know he's just this dude that kind of moves around with his crows and flies around and deals with some logistical challenges and tries to defuse situations and stuff like that but he doesn't really come off like okay this is the guy this is the big bad of this game really and then you know towards the end everything kind of emerges and then you can finally see how like oh this is what everybody's been talking about this is what frey has been talking about and then you know finally you know Trey's kind of comes to realize that even funnily enough you know despite the fact that Atreus when he goes to Asgard is very clear of like no I'm using them you can tell that to some degree he probably bought into Odin's nonsense a little bit mm-hmm. and you can't blame him because that's what Odin does he deceives people um and you could see very much that like Loki buys into this and there's eventually probably a point where he finds that like maybe if he plays ball with Odin for real, things will work out okay, and and Kratos won't die, and all, and all this stuff because there's that whole storyline of like the prophecy of of uh, Kratos dying, um, and and that was another big thing that you know I totally expected Kratos to die at the end of this game, mm-hmm. and was very surprised that he did not, um, but yeah you know overall in characterization yeah Odin's another one yeah, again understated. Uh, kind of a low key kind of performance, but like masterfully done. Yeah. And now we can uh, do a, a bit of a comparison. You know, God of War One, again, to uh, kind of a modern masterpiece, if you will. Um, and then they followed up and kind of stuck the landing with this one. So, how do you think this one compares to the first one? Do you think it's better, just as good, worse? Like, what are your thoughts? I think I think for the most part it's on par. I, again, I talk about the sort of pacing issue I had with it where I feel like in the first God of War it's a slower build I think the game starts very slow and it builds and it builds you know yes there's that great fight (laughs) in the beginning as well but the rest of the game sort of slowly builds up to this really exploring who these characters are with each other uh where it's hard to compare that in a sequel and in the sequel it, it did I think stick the landing with who these are and who they ended up becoming and throughout the whole journey so i think when you look at these two i think the story was delivered better in the first one uh, i i think there is a constant narrative there that crescendos and there is an end uh when you get up there and you finally you know spread the ashes it feels like an ending uh where like i said the way ragnarok, uh, ragnarok ends is with you beating odin and it's kind of like with i kept being confused i was like did we win did we did we beat Odin? It was a trick. Uh, really, we just going to smash his marble, and now he's truly dead? I was like, that was kind of it. There was no big, like, final sort of hit, which uh, in God of War, in God of War 2018, there is with that, 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 uh, what do you do? How do you kill, is it, do you crack his neck again or something like that? I don't remember how that, uh. How Odin dies? No, no, not in, uh, in 2018. How do you kill, uh, Freya's son? Oh, he, yeah, I think you like, snap his neck or something like that and throw him off the cliff. Yeah, some, something. Something or, like I, that. I, I don't know, anyway. I know at one point he does that. But anyway, I felt like there was a significant, like, yeah, he's dead. 
Um, and in this one, it's like I was preemptive, like, all right, where is he coming from? Is he going to change? What, what are we going to go with? Um, and it's not, you know. So, that, again, it's, it's hard comparing those two things um, because the, the way both games end sort of leaving you right open into your the post-game content uh, as well. You know, and then once I saw the credits start rolling, you're walking down the hill, I, I got it. Um, so th that's where it's hard. It's like, man, when people say, which game did you like more? I'm like... I liked I liked almost everything in the original God of War 2018. I can't recall what I really did not like. Um, whereas in this one, that you know the the first chapter with the trace and Angaboda, and and sort of the fizzle that was Ragnarok I, sticks out to me. And I not that I can recall were there two things like that in the first one. So just as good. I I, I mean the gameplay is it's they're just so consistent between these games. Um, that's why it's 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 so hard to compare them because it's like man it's almost one big experience now now that we know that the Norse mythology isn't a trilogy it's gonna just be these two games it's just such a great package uh, what about you how do uh, how do you feel about it uh, comparing it to the first one yeah you know I've given a lot of thought to this point and I would say overall because you know there's a lot of sliders that make a game you mm -hmm. know gameplay and characters story all the sliders. If I had to rate on all the sliders, God of War 1 will probably outscore Ragnarok, probably. Um, so I think it edges it out. Um, what Ragnarok has going for it, I think, is obviously all the themes that I spoke about earlier. And it has the benefit of closing out the character arcs that started in the first one. So it gets the payoffs. And that's the, I think, thing that kind of gives Ragnarok its edge is the fact that like you get to see what all of that what the first game was building to what and, and what i mean specifically is like what freya eventually becomes what kratos eventually becomes uh you get to actually see what happens with sindri you know like in a real way um and and you know i know we're off the character section but the way they ended with sindri is painful it's tough it's not an easy thing to swallow the fact that like and another thing is, everybody who's hating on them for leaving Sindri upset, do you realize that he lost his brother and Ragnarok on the same day? Guys, like, relax. Like, cut him some slack. Like, because you got to keep in, in mind, like, so much of what he was doing was tied into his brother. You know what I mean? Like, so much of his reason to continue going was his brother. Um, and, again, it goes back to that idea of misplaced aggression. He's not really mad at atreus specifically he's mad at himself because he knew this was an inevitability he, i mean his his brother was dead <laughs> like everybody knew that and he knew this couldn't go forever and so he he blames atreus for you know like getting him involved with all this stuff but he knew that you know what atreus was doing was the right thing and he would have gotten involved with the right thing because century's not a bad guy and he's just he he's it's misplaced aggression it's misplaced frustration um and I like how they kind of left it on that. Um, and, and, and so things like that is what I think give Ragnarok a little bit of an edge. But God of War 1, I think, is just a cleaner package altogether. You know, start mm -hmm. to finish uh, setting up this world. It's a cleaner story in the way that, you know, you start on a journey. They hit the mountaintops. They end the game. It gives a nice yeah. little, oh, snap. He's, his name is actually Loki. Thor shows up and the game it, you get some nice little cliffhangers but overall it's a cleaner package start to finish um where ragnarok obviously is a lot more dependent on the events of the first one it's paced a little bit more inconsistently 
Um, and in some ways, the climax of the first one, which is him reaching the mountain in this kind of emotional moment where he's finally sending off his wife, uh, I think is a is marginally more impactful than the payoff of this game, which is kind of this destruction of Asgard type situation. Um, I think it's a lot of fun to play through. I think it's, it's a, a bigger event. But I think, you know, I've always been a bigger fan of, of things that do more with less, uh, if you will. And you know, God of War 1, I think, just does a little bit more with less less characters, less of a bigger scale. The scale of the first one's a little bit less. Because, again, this is not some world-ending thing. This is kind of the journey of a, a father and a son and a guy who doesn't really know how to deal with his past and how to raise this young boy and at the same time send off this wife who in many ways was the glue keeping all this together and how does he continue forward i think that narrative uh is really compelling and cleaner um so for me i would say god of war 2018 probably edges it out a little bit but ragnarok is like right there i, I don't think it's like this massive gap between the two um and what I like about that is that this one, you know, I don't think too many people would necessarily disagree with that. Um, this is not a Last of Us situation where it's like, I think Last of Us 1 and 2 are a lot closer, but like everybody else, like that, that's a contentious yeah. thing. Yeah. Where with like God of War 1 and Ragnarok, I love how close they are. And like I could totally, I love that like some people would be like, nah, I think Ragnarok's better. And I, I wouldn't take issue with that. Or if they'd said 2018's better, um, I, I wouldn't. Now, if they said like God of War three is better, nah, I don't know yeah. about all that. I don't know about all that, <laughs> but but, uh, um, but yeah, overall, I I think it, it's very close. But uh, God of War one edges it out. Absolutely. And then uh, to kind of wrap this whole podcast up, we have the future of the franchise. Where do we think this is going? So, <clears throat> just to kind of set us up, at the very ending, uh, Atreus goes on his own on his own journey. Um, to kind of, I, I believe it's what, collect the giant balls? Is that what he's yeah. trying to do? Uh, yeah, I guess that's what he means. You know, the tale of the giant's not done. So Yeah, so he's trying, he's, he's going into the whole Jotnar thing and trying to complete that whole situation. And you would imagine Angerboda is going to have like some degree of uh, a part in that as she's deeply embedded in that as well. Uh, and then you have Kratos, Mimir, and Freya kind of going on their own journey you get this glimpse into another prophecy of seemingly and this is i i think other people did better analysis than i was able to glean just taking a quick look at that that prophecy it looked like there was like i don't know if there's people worshiping him or or something like that did, did you get what that was at the end there yeah it obviously shows like a it shows because i think right before they talk about how they're gonna do what they can to try to help Asgard rebuild. And exactly. You know, the realms are going to rebuild after everything Odin's done. And you see everyone... I, I hope they don't... It, they, they do look like they're praising the statue of Kratos. Uh, I think it's going to be less... Because Kratos is not going to be the person who's going to be like, yeah, praise me. But yeah, I think there's going to be more... He's going to be seen as a peaceful redeemer. Yeah, like um, the liberator sense. or something. And that's what a lot of people sort of seem like. It's not that he's going to be worshipped as the god of the realms now he's not taking odin's spot but he's going to be held up as he's the man who freed us and did that as well he's going to be looked upon as like a peaceful god uh, not always known as the the murderer that he's always been seen as that's so, how i took it anyway yeah and yeah that was similar to the way i was thinking so it makes you wonder like let's say he is seen going forward in, in some kind of distant uh timeline where he's like looked back as this 
freer of of the subjugated or like a liberator if you will yeah and and you know it seems like his time at asgard at least for the short term is done for now um whatever outside the most immediate kind of helping rebuild it makes me wonder like is this gonna build towards the role that kratos goes into going forward his next stage where you know at first it was this the kind of almost being a vengeance and then you get this arc of him as a father and now that his son is kind of on his own finding bigger purpose outside of just vengeance and, and fatherhood what what does it mean like what what is Kratos going to do with the remainder of his time makes it wonder like is he going to go from place to place freeing people it would be an, uh, a massive kind of evolution in his character because again you have to keep in mind everything that happened with the Norse saga was incredibly reluctant he didn't want to get involved with any of that so for him to basically willingly inject himself into a new situation and it's like i'm gonna free all these people for the sake of freeing them would be new that's a new thing for him because again again he didn't just kill the greek pantheon of the goodness out of his heart you know what i mean he didn't kill odin because odin was a meanie you know, it's it's a means to an end a lot of the times. And not, not to say that Kratos is self-serving, but, you know, like, he's never been motivated by pure morality before. That would be uh, a new kind of chapter for him. So, and, uh, what are your thoughts? Like, where do you think he's... Do you think, like... So, the, the Norse saga is done. Where do you think he's going next? And if you think he's going somewhere next, what do you think he's doing, per se, going forward? I think... Because so we know that the next one's not going to be in Norse mythology, and going off this uh, prophecy that he's going to be seen as this uh, freer redeemer, um, it's going to mean that the, this realm at least is going to get to a point where they're they're good, they're good again, they're set. You know, um, I think it'll be it's a, it's a, it'll be a nice way that it's like this realm's now just going to keep existing. You don't have any of these, you know, there's no Odins or anyone who's going to like take over and be evil. Um, you know which is a reverse of what happened uh in the trilogy where in the other trilogy where you know kratos killed everybody uh all the gods and everything like that left the we don't know what this that was left and i think he's gonna be the way i sort of see it or at least i theorize a possible way it's he's gonna be like you guys are good now you don't need me i he doesn't want people to rely on him he doesn't want to be that you know they're gonna build this statue and, and see him and he's like though that's not what i want it is what it is. You guys are now in charge of yourself. And I think that's why he'll want to distance himself. You know, he doesn't want to be the ruler. He doesn't want to be the god of all realms. He doesn't yeah. want to be the all god. So he'll be like, all right, I think maybe I have to sort of disappear uh, in a sense and translate into, the, I guess, the next mythology that they decide to do, um, which they have different options. They haven't teased at all. I mean, I think... Eric Williams, who directed this one, I think, in an interview, was like, yeah, I mean, there's Celtic, and there's this, and Mayan, and, and this, there's all these mythologies. He's not leaning one way. I think if I had to take a guess, or I guess it's less of a guess than what I want, I would like Egyptian mythology. Mm. Uh, I think it would make the most sense in the sense that, because God of War, at least, I don't think God of War is going to keep going forever. Uh, in a sense, I, I don't, not at least with with Kratos in in a sense Um, and I think a big I thought the sort of looming nature of Kratos' death in this game was I was like this is either going to lead to him dying or it's not Um, and I think it's going to get to the point though though he is a god he is 
for the most part almost immortal these gods do end up dying in different ways and you know isn't he a demigod that was if i remember in the original trilogy he's a demigod who was blessed to the point to be a full god when he killed Ares. and so there's there's room to wiggle with what he would do eventually after a certain amount of time and a big portion of egyptian mythology is sort of life after death and current life and preparing for your next life and, and so i feel like you know theme wise it could work um i think also i'd be curious to see what santa monica designs for some of these gods because if you look at most egyptian gods they always have these huge headgears on uh you think anubis has the the sort of uh dog head on and there's the like uh, alligator head on so there's like all these i feel like it'd probably be pretty cool um i just hope it, it's just i think environmental i think is where you start getting to some limitations because you're going to want something environmentally very different from the norse mythology which is these you know sprawling greens and ice basically uh, is what we experienced a lot of in 2018 and ragnarok and then i just don't want it to be a complete flip where it's just like now it's just sand and hot and desert and oasis and i just would like to see it i just i think it would almost just make more sense to do egyptian and i think if you look back in like 08 uh when uh all the directors were in you know that's during the original trilogy they always talked about wanting to do the egyptian as well um i just feel like it would just aesthetically be so different from the other two sagas that would make sense um that's my only guess though uh, is why they would go with that just the theme of death and living and you know who knows what atreus is gonna do after all this point um and who he will be as a person at, at that point um that's that's my only sort of sort of guess into what they could do next yeah yeah it, it's one of those things where i think judging by kind of the way they've spoke about it yeah kratos's time in like the norse world is pretty much done but the reality is he has a son uh that is kind of inherently connected to it uh being the god of mischief and so it makes me wonder if the franchise at all could split or something like that i've heard people kind of talk about this idea of like having the atreus sections be their own thing yeah in a smaller capacity uh because again uh i just feel like it makes all the sense in the world for kratos to jump into something new having come from something else it gets a little bit more challenging with atreus and his journey his journey is not complete it's intrinsically tied into the world and the realms that they exist in now you can't like you can't just drop atreus into egypt you know what I mean? It gets a little yeah. bit more challenging there. Uh, because, again, like, you know, he is... Kratos being what he is makes him kind of this god agnostic. of the, Like, yeah, he's tied to the Greek pantheon, but he wasn't a part of it. You know what I mean? Uh, in, that, in that way. Um, where, in, in some ways, like, you know, like, Loki only holds relevance in the, in the Norse realms. So, and then to see the fully realized version of that i think requires some degree of connection to this older uh era of god of war if you want so i i could totally see a situation where like maybe kratos moves forward but there's still somehow um them a way to kind of keep tabs with uh atreus and whether that's like a small spin-off game or something like that and everybody obviously is talking about the rumor you know or not it's not even rumored but like they 
theorize about this idea of like the the god of mischief series and it's uh the combat's a little different and maybe you have like him and anger boda doing their thing or whatever and then maybe him kind of aging up and becoming a little bit more powerful in in that regard um and i think that is really like fun a, a fun idea um i've always you know hearing that idea i immediately thought of like what happens when kratos is finally removed from that world and the the all father is gone and that leaves uh atreus to get more and more powerful and what happens when effectively atreus is a god amongst a world that is essentially godless now mm-hmm. what what happens at that point and what happens if theoretically he becomes somewhat antagonistic towards the characters that we like had that theory too how could kratos, like could kratos in the possible future have to deal with that like how do you deal with a god out of control that you can't just kill it's not that simple with it being your son you know what i mean especially the son that we've played literally raising him so um i think that could be a fun idea for them to play with the egyptian one i think is the most organic place to go Uh, i think it's the place where they've done greek that had connection with Persia, Persia, and then all the Persian gods and stuff like that. Uh, we did the Norse ones. The Norse was a kind of a left turn, so that's why it makes me uh, intrigued at the idea of maybe doing something like the Celtic gods and the occultic kind of that kind of world. I think would be really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the idea of doing something Mesoamerican. Uh, I that would be my preference personally. Because I feel like that would be the sharpest of left turns if they could do it. Um, also, I love the ability for them to highlight um, gods that we might not know the most about, um, and and learn about, and and have kind of have them not a clean slate because obviously these are established cultures, but have the opportunity to really kind of build something new while simultaneously educating a lot of people on something. Where like the comedic gods, like. I know I, I we I've seen a lot of iterations of Ra and uh, Anubis, you know what I mean, and and yeah. all these, um, and and Tet and all these different Egyptian gods. So like I I'd, I'd be too, super down for it. Like if they did like a teaser and they show Kratos in this, you know, the Egyptian desert. Okay, cool. I'm I'm down to do it. Um, but my preference would be to do something that I haven't really seen depicted before. Uh, and that's why I kind of lean more towards the Mesoamerican stuff, just because I, I haven't really seen that done too much at all. Uh, and I think there's amazing opportunity, especially uh, I love the the moments where you kind of get this resurgence of things. We kind of got like Valhalla and God of War all around the same time. And it was like an yeah. awesome time to kind of tap into that kind of all the Norse and Viking stuff. Um and how cool of it would them to, would it to be if they go down to like Mexico and do the Mesoamerican stuff, um, at the same time where you're getting this kind of like Wakanda Forever kind of resurgence with Namor and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's also an opportunity to kind of feed off of that and kind of have a fun moment where they're getting some highlighted uh, stuff as well. Um, also, a lot what a lot of other people there are a lot of uh, South African gods that they can tap into if they like. Um, there are Asian pantheons that haven't, um, they haven't touched China, Japan, Korea, um, that they haven't really touched, uh, Vietnam, Thailand. Um, so there, there's so much potential for them, uh, to, to kind of tap into different things that I'm, I'm actually really, really excited about. Uh, but I think 
Egypt is probably the most safe bet. Like, if somebody has to, like, put money down of what they're doing next, I, I would say go for Egypt. Like, that, that they've, they've expressed interest in the past about it. Um, it has the most well-known pantheon outside of what they've already covered. Um, yeah. They can't really do Rome really because it's essentially rebranded Greece. You know what yeah, I mean? It, it's, yeah. It's yeah. the I, same I beings. That, I don't think, yeah, it's the same beings. It's just like a different translation almost. Yeah, it, it, it's like they're different, but that's because the, the culture shifted IRL, not like from, like if you have them going against, you know, like Mars, it's going to be the Ares fight again. Like, like it's just, <laughs> yeah. we can't yeah. do that again. So, um, that that's the only reason why like once upon a time before the Norse saga I would have said yeah Rome makes the most sense um but that's because I didn't know there were like realm jumping like that you know what I mean so yeah, yeah, um yeah I, I think Egypt probably makes the most sense but I I would prefer for them to to hit Mexico or uh like the Chinese gods I think would be really really fun too uh, it would just be such a visual left turn that i think might be weird you know what i mean like i think it just might look weird to have kratos killing everything in china <laughs> that could be weird but i also think it could be a lot of fun too you know with the dragons and stuff like that um so yeah i, I think the best news of it all despite all of our like speculation is that the franchise is continuing and that's the exciting mm -hmm. thing is uh they have been pretty clear about the fact that this is not the end of god of war uh, which is awesome because I, I love that um, they've kind of breathed new life into this franchise that wasn't necessarily dead, but it was just it was dormant for a while and nobody really knew what they were going to do with it next. And when they came back, they came with back with something so different and in my opinion, so much better um, that it makes me excited that they're they're super invested in it. Um, I wonder if it'll be Sony Santa Monica forever. Um, you know, obviously, they'd probably want to do other things at some point. So, um, I, I wonder, you know, I think it's entirely possible that we get, like, a God of War uh, Ragnarok sequel in a new place done by Sony Santa Monica, and they might step away. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they, like, set up the next team to do the new era, but then they kind of step away. Yeah, it's interesting to see because it's, it's also... That we also just, there's so many things we don't know. We don't know how big uh, Sony Santa Monica is becoming. Um, yeah, that's Chris true. Barlog is obviously directing a different game. They have a second game in the works. Um, there was that time he was posting all that weird sci-fi stuff, and then oh hush, yeah. hush, and then so I whether it's that canceled sci-fi game that showed up in that God of War documentary or not, um, I think we, we see that whatever that is first before we come back to God of War, um, and I think rightfully so. I, I think. This is a time you gotta take a breather. You know we don't want another one and another one, and then also it has to be done right, right? Like when you like you were saying, think of the Celtic. You have to transform that to fit the narrative. Exactly. Um, you know, same, and you want something different. You want something, you know, like you said. You think the first three God of Wars. You think these marble and and clay pillars and just that's what is that realm? And now you know when you think of the Norse mythology, you think of the the open waters and the jungle you know not the jungles but you know the sort of rainforesty areas to obviously <laughs> a big part of it is ice uh covered areas which makes it exciting to see what's the next sort of drastic because it's got to be to the point where you, th you think of whatever e3 or whatever it, it's going to be that they're going to show the next one 
um, you know, what is it? You know, especially that's why I think it'd be curious to think. As much as I think it would go Egypt and it would make sense as Egypt, I think also like Mayans would be pretty cool to see because their gods are so different and colorful and there's so many interpretations of like and they get busy with the war too that's the big thing is that they're combative so combative uh you think there's so a lot of their stuff is in in um sort of uh prophecies and and a lot of things and that's when they also make they're also just so chaotic uh in some of the stuff and and they have an end of the war thing uh end of the world thing just like ragnarok stay just like ragnarok did uh so it'd be interesting to see it it, it would also you know tie in with you know you have uh Treus going full doing his whatever he's doing maybe there's some ties into that maybe he sparks something that you know there's options that, that's the craziest thing is that there are options and there's not really a way yeah unless they decided to do uh, rome or something you know as long as they did not that <laughs> and yeah. i don't think they would i think there's not a bad option if i see it's gonna be mayan theme if you um i think you know, when you think mine, you think those big masks and, and all this crazy the head stuff. Pieces, like, yeah. The head pieces, that would look so cool. In and you know, in their interpretation of it would be fantastic. So I mean, I'm really excited to see what it is. Uh, but I'm also glad to take this break from it, and then who knows, PS6 jump back in to to this to these characters, some of these characters. Yeah, I, I hope they they take their time. And another thing worth noting is, as of right now, uh, Freya and Mimir are like with Kratos. So theoretically, wherever he so. go, they would have to ha- either take them with him or make it make sense for them to stay behind. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so there is also that con- component to, to take an effect. And it also makes me wonder, you know, kind of to to wrap it up, you know, if we're gonna have this. It seems like it's confirmed now, probably, or it's somewhat confirmed that it, there's a good chance that um, we're gonna have Kratos jumping to different realms. Like this is not uh, a crazy speculation, you know. He he went from somehow he figured out how to get from Greece to the Norse situation, and he'll go somewhere else. Uh, whether these exist on different entire planes of existence or how the dimension work, I don't know exactly. What I do speculate or am curious about is what is all of this ultimately building to because i i have a hard time believing that these are just these small little one-off events i think the moment that they moved him to a new region there was some kind and and they made it very clear with ragnarok there's something bigger at play here um or and something that exists outside of all of this whatever that may be and so that is what i'm most curious about uh, what, how long does it take them to really address that? Like, are are they gonna really slow roll Assassin's Creed it with the Isu stuff? Like, and have a million different generations over many different years to finally kind of spoon, uh, you know, drip feed just small little things here and there. Ragnarok was our first taste into it. That makes me wonder also, like, what are we gonna do on a top level, and how does all of that climax? You know, obviously we have these climaxes per era. But it makes me wonder if we're if we're gonna get super crazy with it, and he's gonna be jumping around a little bit more, um, whether this next era is his last or not, I'm not sure. Uh, it makes me wonder, like, what is the ultimate climax of all this? Who is the antagonist above all of that? Um, it, 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 that is also what excites me. If if like there is something out there that even Odin was trying to tap into, the most powerful theoretical being in this realm. Um, and it, it makes me wonder, you know, like, 
what is that realm and do we ever access that and what does that look like so um yeah i'm, I'm really excited about the the future god awards in good place and i just hope they take their time with it that's like most of all just don't rush it uh you know i think the four-year cycle is a nice comfortable amount of time to give it some breathing room give you some time to play around try mm. things out take some chances uh get great performances out of these actors and um yeah i i i'd like i think if four years from now is what 2026 we're probably looking at tail end of the generation if not maybe the very beginning of ps6 maybe Mm -hmm. uh four years from now but i think that's even pushing it it's probably going to be tail end of ps5 um i think that that would be a solid time either make it a launch game or close to or maybe a cross-gen game um for next generation gives them enough time and can take advantage of better hardware too yeah absolutely all right so that was our god of war ragnarok thoughts we both very much like this game uh and i'm glad that they were able to kind of pull it off uh i'm curious to see what our next spoiler cast will be uh the slate's looking pretty dry right now um for major releases so it might be a bit before we have anything major to say about some of the uh upcoming games but we're glad that you guys uh stuck this far into the podcast and this is the new visit podcast i'm jabril and i'm here with steve hope you guys enjoyed and we'll see you guys next time bye